This is the Ether Review, a talk show passing the components of the Ethereum global computing platform and its ecosystem. Building on a basic knowledge of the blockchain, we seek to understand the mechanics behind this new generation computing network and the services it powers. Some of the discussions featured on this show are technical, while others are higher level. Digix is a digital asset issuance and tracking platform built on Ethereum. It's designed to minimize KYC intrusion and offer physical asset shadowing while protecting from the kind of loss of funds customers expect of contemporary financial products. Digix appears to be on track to providing the most comprehensive and customer-oriented digital asset platform around. Initially, they will be offering gold-backed tokens using a powerful proof-of-asset certificate. So what about you guys? Whereabouts are you guys all located? And uh, would you mind introducing yourselves? Yeah, sure. So we're all in disparate places right now. I believe Carl is in, in the States. I just reached um, Singapore from New York City. And Anthony is out in Japan right now. Wow. Yeah. That's, so. uh, that's, that's jet set. Yeah, it's, uh, it's four different time zones right here. So yeah, I'm just going to give a, a short uh, personal introduction about myself. Please do. So my name is Kai. I'm the, the co-founder of Digix. I used to be a currency trader on Wall Street in a large investment bank. I left my job to start Digix about a year ago, and I've never looked back since. I, I believe in the product that we are uh, promoting and we are building, so I'm looking forward to launch this product by the end of this year. Um, yeah, so I'm Anthony Euphemio. I'm... I've been working in the IT and uh, software industry for over uh, 18 plus years now. Um, uh, most I, I did uh, work in the financial sector in, on, on Wall Street, um, did a lot of work with banks, uh, did uh, computer security before that, and systems administration. Uh, so I, I've, been in, I've, been around, uh, I've been around the block as far as uh, tech, tech goes, um, and got into crypto, uh, cryptocurrencies around uh, 2010, 2011. Um, got into mining and then heard about Ethereum um, in, in one of the uh, one of the Bitcoin chat rooms on IRC, um, and I I just got really really excited about it and uh, been involved like pretty much uh, you know around the, the 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 third week that they made that announcement I, I've been you know pretty much involved with it and and trying to figure out what I wanted to build on it uh, because I thought it was very exciting uh, technology. And uh, it's going to be disruptive in the future. Uh, if I got this correct here, uh, I'm Carl Mullen. Uh, I've been working in the digital currency business since 1999, and I've worked for a number of uh, the larger companies. And right now, I'm writing books for Palgrave Macmillan uh, in New York City on uh, digital currency and the history of digital currency and regulations. Uh, Carl, so I suppose you know a lot about the history of digital gold and uh, and things like that. Yes, it's not often to come across some someone with a uh, with a background um, in uh, in digital currency before Bitcoin came along. Yeah, that that seems to be uh, the the uh, the way the industry is shaping up right now. Um, <clears throat> You know, digital currency has been around since 1996. So uh, there's been a lot of companies that have come and gone and a lot of new regulations that entered the market and a lot of changes over the years. So it's, uh, it's, it's exciting if, you, if, you, if you're able to look back at the history of it and, you know, uh, 
sort of plot where it might go from here. And I, I've enjoyed doing that. Well, Carl, as long as we're here, would you mind, um, could you give us a rundown on the history of digital currency? Uh, it, it, it started in 96 with uh, eGold, and uh, they were the pretty much the first company in the world to come out with uh, an online uh, a payment system, and uh, also the first one to come out with an online payment system backed by gold. And uh, Web Money followed in 98, and then Gold Money, and there's been about a dozen other companies that came along, and uh, everything was unregulated. Uh, you know, it was new technology uh, from 96 to about 2005. And, uh, you know, no one, no one had a money transmitting license, uh, money transmitter license. Uh, nobody operated as an MSB. And there weren't any uh, uh, regulations that directly addressed uh, a lot of the issues that uh, evolved, you know, with online payments. Uh, in fact, when PayPal came out, uh, you know, when uh, when they started after their uh, little merger, um, they weren't licensed either, and uh, uh, they began uh, getting their uh, state money transmitter licenses um, when they be- uh, when they went public, when they started to go public, and uh, they even received a letter from the uh, state of Louisiana, I believe it was, um, you know, stating. Uh, You've got to go ahead and get your money transmitter license uh, <clears throat> before you do this public offering, or we're going to blow the pretty much blow the offering. So um, a lot of the companies uh, didn't run out and and uh, and get regulated, and so in 2005 they started cracking down on it. The U.S. Uh, the government started cracking down on it, and um, you know eventually they started uh, uh, issuing the new regulations. And uh, it changed. It changed everything. By uh, 2000, end of 2011, everyone had left the U.S. market uh, for digital currency. That was the exchange agents and also the, uh, you know, the issuers. Even if you were issuing uh, from a foreign jurisdiction and you had U.S. client business. So about the time that uh, Bitcoin was coming out. Uh, and just emerging, you know, with a lot of excited new users thinking, oh, this is the newest, you know, the newest uh, thing in the world and nobody's ever seen something like this before. Well, of course, it, it, it had been out for a long time, the type of digital currency that was unregulated. And it, 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 it had been uh, under the microscope for, I don't know, four or five years already. So uh, the regulations, some of the regulations were already out there. Uh, in 2008, the, uh, the e-gold case, uh, the uh, operators were being prosecuted uh, for a number of, uh, of felonies. And um, uh, what happened was the judge issued a, an opinion on an appeal they had made. And the opinion said uh, flat out uh, any type of value that gets transferred online uh, whether it's gold or whether it's actual dollars or, you know, something else, as in, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, by 2008, the judge had issued this opinion that said uh, that is all considered uh, lumped under uh, a money transmitter and you have to operate as an MSB. You have to have, uh, you know, your uh, 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 anti-money laundering. You have to know your client. You have to have all that in place. Uh, so by 2008, uh, before Bitcoin even came out, the the regulations were there. 
but they weren't actually written into law until about uh, 2011. And, uh, and that, you know, that's changed everything. Uh, there used to be dozens of exchange agents in the U S that would take in, you know, national currency and exchange it out, out for e-gold or web money or one of the other companies. And, uh, by 2012, there were none. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it the, the industry evolved, uh, out of the U S, uh, rather than in. And, um, you know, the regulations are there right now. Uh, they've, they've been there since about, uh, 2008, 2009. And, uh, so, uh, it, it's a different field to play in the U S where, um, you know, you have all these, uh, massive regulations and consumer protections and, uh, you know, uh, commodity regulators and, and rules, uh, as opposed to China or, you know, Russia or, or any of these other big countries that, uh, you know, that have a lot of users in them, uh, where it's just not really regulated. Um, and, uh, so, so you see that kind of world market, uh, evolving, uh, where, where the U S trails behind everywhere, everyone else in, in, uh, development of, uh, you know, consumer and commercial digital currencies. So I hope that, hope that gives you a little bit of an idea on, uh, on the kind, you know, the kind of place, uh, the kind of market the world is right now for uh, for Bitcoin and and these others. Now that we've got a history of digital currency, how does Digix fit into this digital currency landscape that uh, or legacy that that's been uh, that's been established before it? I think that uh, a lot of the products and services that emerged, you know, in the last fifteen years. Um, they were sort of uh, uh, first entries into the market, um, and and I think what we what's happened is we've we've learned a, a tremendous amount about um, you know serving financial products to the public and what financial products uh, such as uh, Digix uh, how they can improve um, transactions and trading and. Uh, loaning money and uh, uh, settlement uh, around the world. Um, wh- what you had with a lot of the, the first products that came out, with, you know, which were gold money and web money and uh, e-gold, e-bullion, um, <clears throat> what you had was um, a, lot of, a lot of people who were not uh, tech savvy or who were not bankers uh, or familiar with online payments and, you know, this the solutions that they uh, provide uh, for the world. Um, you know, you had, like, when eGold emerged, they came out with uh, 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 Dr. Dr. Jackson's, um, you know, his goal and his mission uh, for introducing that product to the world was to help all of mankind. Uh, I mean, he had these really broad goals. He didn't know who he was serving or, you know, who would use the product. And, and now I think what, what's happened is uh, you, have, you have these businesses like Digix, which has a, a phenomenal product, uh, and they're, uh, they know who they're serving, and they know, you know what the pro- product's going to improve uh, as far as financial transactions. And they've made improvements uh, over the old models, uh, decentralization and um, you know, ownership of the actual asset. And, and the, uh, what's important with Digix is the, um, the sort of link between uh, an owner of the digital unit and the actual physical asset. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, 
you know, you, you didn't have that uh, 10 years ago or even five years ago. Digix has made these, these monster improvements and, and steps forward in, uh, in creating this, this type of financial product. And uh, it, it, it's just, it's just going to make the world, financial world move a lot quicker and, and a lot smarter than any other products that have come out in the past. Uh, you, you know, you have, a, you have these monster improvements and then you have a, a, a group of tech savvy, uh, a gentleman that uh, can really, you know, produce a, a, a convenient uh, a tool that, that, that helps, you know, helps move things along. The way the, uh, the digital unit is linked to the, uh, the physical asset there uh, and, the, and the legal trail that it leaves behind is really uh, what's impressive you know, about this product for me, because that's never been there before. Uh, no one's even <coughs> made that connection uh, in the past 15 years. Gold money had a, a, a similar product where uh, the gold was deposited in the vault and there was actually an offline ledger that um, made that connection between the owner and the actual physical asset. But, you know, again, if you had a 400-ounce bar sitting in the, uh, in the vault and somebody owned 10 grams of it, uh, it there was, you know, the <laughs> you couldn't split the bar and allocate 10 grams, for, structured it with the tokens uh, making up the certificate, <clears throat> the certificate being the legal ownership online. Uh, it's just a very good product right now. And, and these are some of the improvements that have come out. A lot of these things are, are just massive improvements over, over what's, uh, what's been in the market for 10, 15 years. And uh, I think you're going to see uh, the commercial uh, user and, you know, particularly the financial markets uh, engage, engaged in, you know, this product a lot, a lot stronger than anything that may have come along in the past decade. So it's, it's, it's these improvements and the, that, that uh, sort of where the rubber meets the road, that connection between the, f the physical gold, you know, certificate and the, uh, the physical asset and the gold certificate, the digital gold certificate. So I think those are big improvements and they're, they're, they're worth noting, you know, in this kind of, uh, in this in this kind of industry here, so hope that hope that helps you. <laughs> and that leads me to uh, to the obvious question uh, for Kai, and that is, what is the Digix product? So essentially, Digix is an asset tokenization platform on the Ethereum blockchain, right? So we essentially represent gold bullion with digital certificates and tokens on Ethereum through through the protocol we have developed in-house. So as mentioned in some of our earlier interviews, the process we have created does not rely on the users trusting the employees or the people working at Digix, but to place their trust in the proof of asset protocol that we've created in-house. So Digix plays the role of an overseer of this whole protocol, and as long as this protocol functions, your asset is guaranteed to exist. Let me just give you a brief description of this proof of asset protocol. So in this proof of asset protocol, we have a few actors that ensure the existence and integrity of your gold bullion. Specifically, they are the supplier, the custodian, as well as the auditor. Every entity in this chain of custody would use their private keys to sign and acknowledge their role in, in the whole proof of asset process. So for instance, the supplier would use the private keys to acknowledge their delivery of gold to digits, 
the custodian would use the private keys to acknowledge the deposit of gold from the jigs, and the auditor would then make sure that our holdings correspond to customers' holdings and acknowledge all these information onto the blockchain itself. The paper documentations are therefore a result of this process at Digix. The model we have created doesn't rely on um, what I call backward integration, which most other firms who are putting physical assets on the blockchain are doing instead. What I mean is that they take physical documents, scan, upload them, and rely on these um, documents to prove the existence of an asset. At Digix, the old method of backward integration becomes obsolete as every entity in this proof of asset protocol plays a direct role on the blockchain to verify the existence of the asset. So currently we don't know of anyone doing anything similar because Ethereum represents the only method for us to do this in the most robust and um, decentralized manner. Um, so, so essentially um, you guys are familiar with, uh, with DocuSign where you, you basically, you know, you can, you can get a PDF file and, and you can put your signature on it. Um, so we've sort of, um, made a similar uh, solution on top of our platform where basically the custodian, when they make a signature, the document actually gets uh, created at that point. So, so there's no document until the signature is, is made, um, acknowledging the asset. And so, so at each step, the document gets created with the signature. And it can only get created with that person's signature. So, so, um, so you can kind of imagine what the power, like what, how powerful that is, um, not just for, for gold, but, but for other types of things, um, you know, legal documents, um, that, that, you know, could be, uh, that this could apply to in the future. I have a question written down here and that is what are the components of a proof of physical assets certificate? Could you kind of break down what is, what exactly it contains? Yeah, so um, so it's basically um, so it's 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 partly a process and partly a protocol. So so the process is uh, you know we 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 receive um, we receive an order from you know for a physical gold bar on the on um, you know on our platform using uh, bitcoins, and we we record that um, we record that on our contracts. So so we actually keep a record of the actual order. So so it's not just the the um, the, the, the 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 physical asset existing in the first place. It's actually the order. Is also there, so so you can keep track of. Um, so even our um, our whole fulfillment system is, is is on the blockchain. So it's 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 transparent. So people will actually know that that this order was made, and that it was fulfilled at this time, and that there was a physical gold bar that was procured um, because of this action, and then that this this bar was delivered to um, to to the custodian. And at some point in time, this bar was audited by a third party auditor. To prove that these like these things actually happened, and 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 that there there was no um, single point of failure in in the process. Yeah, you've never had this sort of chain. I guess you call it a chain of ownership, uh, a chain of identity that that follows the digital product. Uh, that's unheard of. That's amazing, and essential as well, isn't it? For uh, for the sake of KYC and um, and just the verification of authenticity of the asset, right? Yeah, very much so. Very much. So. Now, you guys are going to do going to uh, raise funds through crowdfunding. Is that correct? Well, um, <clears throat> sorry, not exactly. We would like to take this um, opportunity to clarify that this wouldn't be like an auger or a token sale. We are essentially just soft launching our product and giving away free ether for every purchase. So these ethers are just meant to reduce the learning curve of users because you know gas is always required for any transactions on Ethereum. So our crowdsource is more of a pre-sale of our product. So you're not actually selling um, 
stake of your uh, of of your platform. Nope, um, that's not what we're planning to do when we launch our crowd sale. Okay, because I ha- because my next question was going to be you know and that that uh, that prefigures my next question question which is how are you going to raise an A list round if you don't know who your uh, who your backers are in the first place? <laughs> right, so um, we've always planned to keep um, Digix as a privately funded company. Um, we believe that this gives us a lot more autonomy um, to pursue the vision that we want. In essence, having funding is a, a double-edged sword in the sense that we might have to build out a product that isn't you know, to our vision, to what we want to, to create. So we have been keeping our burn rate pretty low at Digix, and we believe that we're able to push on for another year or two um, privately and keep this going to build, build out the product that we wish. So, I mean, at Digix, essentially, it's a, it's a labor of love. Um, we have all left our corporate jobs and, you know, drew zero salaries for a year to get this going. Um, we're, we're fortunate in the sense that we made quite a bit of uh, money in our previous jobs, such that we are able to sustain this business for, for quite some time ourselves. Well, that's a real vote of confidence from the corporate world then. <laughs> yes, for sure. So I have another question for, for you, Anthony, and that is how difficult was the uh, how difficult was the Ethereum side of this to implement? How difficult are the co- are the contracts to uh, to piece together? Well, so you have to consider that like we started this like when Ethereum was still uh, pre-release. It was still um, POC. I think we're, we were we started uh, on POC four. Um, we started actually building this out. So, so that was, you know, very, very early stage Ethereum before Frontier. Um, so a lot of the tools were not there yet. So we actually even had to build some of our own build tools. And um, our, our contracts are quite um, complex, uh, is that we have different components to it. And, and building that with, uh, with the old um, Ethereum tools was, was nearly impossible. So we had to build that out um, from scratch. And... Um, you know, it was a learning curve as well um, because it, it, it's it's new technology, and and I had to like really um, you know read through the documents. I, I read the the, the yellow paper um, several times just to be able to understand how things work and, and make sure that we're implementing it correctly um, before you know because the, there was no documentation out there. There was very you know it was it was forum doc, uh, discussions, IRC chats with the developers. Um, for me to learn that, you know, was, uh, was, was, it's a pretty big learning curve. Um, you know, uh, and even now, like even, uh, even today, like, um, even with the documentation, there's still people, you know, just trying to learn it and, and, and the tools are, you know, are getting there, but they're, they're, uh, they're still, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done as far as, you know, making this really easy for a developer to, to write, um, dApps with. Okay. But it seems, cause this does seem like quite a complex, uh, system you've got set up here i mean especially with multiple signatories and multiple components multiple cryptographically signed components uh compressed into this uh, this proof of asset certificate um that seems like something that would be not altogether simple to to implement yeah it was it was um, it was challenging and you know we, we learned um quite a bit um and and that, that sort of also um steered us to a direction where you know like we can actually implement um uh, similar systems for the, for other companies as well. So we we also started a consulting arm um, as part of Digix. So we can actually provide you know like share some of our knowledge um, to other companies and help them build out you know solutions um, similar to what we have in the future. 
I've been looking at, uh, I've been reading the Ethereum blog, and there's something by Alex Van der Sand there right now about how to use the wallet and uh, that that he's developing. And it seems really simple today to just to issue these, uh, you know, these these currencies based yourself. Yeah, well, you know, the the, the project the, pro- the project has matured quite a bit. Um, um, ever since you know, for for like um, for a year now, so I think that you know they're they're getting there where they can they can make these um these instructions on how to create your own assets, um, which is like one of the first goals that they had was to you know to allow people to create um their own um apps um with very little coding experience um but but also consider that these are very simple um tokens um they don't have the same type of complexity that um we're we're doing at Digix. So um, yes, you can do your crowd sales. You can create your own tokens and create your own DAOs. But um, if you really want to have like any kind of complex, like level complexity where you have your own business rules on there, then you still have to get down to the code and 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 you know do some work. So you guys are offering this product to an international uh, to an international customer base. How do you manage KYC? Hi. Yeah, so I guess I'll fuel this uh, question. The laws regarding virtual currencies and gold in, sim- uh, in Singapore is very simple, clear, and straightforward. So in short, virtual currencies themselves are not a regulated activity, and this information can also be readily you know, searched for online. We actually have this in our FAQ section, so if you visit our FAQ section, you could download this one-page article about virtual currency laws in Singapore. Essentially, in summary, it says that virtual currencies are not being regulated in Singapore because it's not being considered as legal tender, neither is it being considered as a security. So, you know, gold as well in Singapore has uh, special legislation. It is not subjected to sales tax or overextensive KYC restrictions. People do think that there is an excessive regulation for purchasing and storing gold in Singapore, but there really isn't any which is why it has become one of the largest uh, gold hubs in, in Asia. So if you were to purchase gold in Singapore, essentially it's the same as purchasing, say, an expensive set of golf clubs or an expensive high-end handbag. Moreover, in fact, we're not the only company that offer Bitcoins for gold in Singapore. There are actually one or two others that facilitate the exact same thing without requiring, requiring an extensive invasion of privacy. So we're not you know, essentially going against the established laws in this regard. We do, however, um, perform full KYC of customers at redemption of the gold bar, because that's the only way we could um, verify who the user and who the redeemer is. Okay, yeah. So physical redemption, we do ask for um, government ID or a passport um, at the point of redemption, physical, um, so that that's um, required. Um, But but to to actually use our platform, we don't do... um, we don't do any extensive KYC. Uh, there's been talks about um, blocking IPs for, from from certain jurisdictions where the the um, digital currency laws are, but that's still I think that's still up for discussion. Um, at this point, that that sucks. I mean, that's that's the US you're talking about, probably New York, isn't it? Jurisdictions, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, but yeah, um, I think I believe that um, Shapeshift and, and a lot of the um, the, the the Bitcoin exchanges um, block New York now because of that um, because of that requirement. Um, Do you guys have any recommendations of uh, of proxy services? That that that's a joke. Um. 
Uh, there's this thing called Tor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually a dirty word. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of the few. It's one of the few three-letter, four-letter word, four-letter words. Yeah, well, there's a, the, I think um, the, the, the French government is considering banning Tor now. For no reason. Uh, well, it's like, because, of, um, you know, because of the recent events. They're, they're using that as uh, an excuse to, to ban Tor um, and, and encryption, which you know, they tried that in, in the UK as well. They, they tried to ban uh, encryption or, yeah. or create um, escrow keys for it, but obviously that didn't happen, um, thankfully. Yeah, first with the clipper chip, you know, with um, the, the key escrow mm. and, and all those things. And, and then we have, um, you know, things like um, Bitcoin and Tor. So, so th- th- I think we're like in the third wave now. Um, and, and it's going to get more interesting, you know, is, is with all these like recent events and, you know, like these um, very eager government officials trying to control people's communications and the NSA. So I think there's going to be like, you know, more innovation. I think that that actually does fuel innovation. Um, because, you know, people, you know, there, there's a need for, for privacy. There's a need for, you know, securing your communication. And, um, and the governments are, you know, really not understanding of that. And I think that, you know, th- th- there's going to be more events that, that is gonna, going to, you know, further, you know, further push the development of, of more um, re- resistance-proof cryptography um, in, in the future. Innovation, yep. This is uh, so. Do you find that there's a uh, that there's a thread that we're following here um, with the uh, uh, the government regulations and and the you know the politics of all the uh, uh, encryption? Yes. Um, <clears throat> after E Gold was this, you know after the prosecution of E Gold began back in two thousand six two thousand five, uh, you you saw a lot of the people who create these systems sort of. Uh, <laughs> Not really going dark, but um, not as public about their work. And then about a year later, new systems emerged, uh, which uh, uh, were were a lot more anonymous. So, yes, uh, it's happened before where, you know, the government cracked down and a whole new wave of products came out a year or two later uh, designed to uh, circumvent any type of new government regulations. Of course, that's not the digit product. But um, you, are, you probably will see, like Anthony says, uh, a, a lot of new encryption things coming out, uh, which uh, uh, might tend to try and uh, you know navigate around uh, any any new government regulations. But uh, yes, we have seen that before. New products emerge, and uh, uh, they provide a, a level of anonymity that wasn't there, you know, in a year or two past. So yes, that's happened before. Oh well, here's to the good guys. Um, I've got through all of my questions. So, is there something that we haven't covered that you guys want to get out there to the public? Well, um, I, I guess one good question is why did we pick to start our company in Singapore? So, there were actually two main reasons why we chose Singapore <clears throat> to to start Digix. One was the ease of setting up a tech company here, and second was the soundness and and safetyness of the country itself. So, for instance, it only took us about a day to set up a company here. And maybe a week to obtain a bank account. The cost of setting it up was also very reasonable. Singapore is also very welcoming of blockchain technology. And the government has recently dedicated a significant pool of funds to explore the applications of blockchain tech. So we're actually working in a very receptive environment. And we like to be part of a place of positivity instead of uh, of a place where it focuses on over-regulation 
like in some other countries. So not only that, Singapore is a great place for high net worth individuals to store their wealth. It is a reason why um, people like Eduardo Severin, the co-founder of Facebook, Jim Rogers, an, an investment manager, I think, that works with that worked with George Soros in the past, and, and many others have decided to move over and live in Singapore. The crime rate here is also absolutely minimal. Now, the, the custodian that we have engaged with, Malka Ahmed, is also located at the only fort north of Asia, uh, Singapore Freeport. This is a, a maximum security vault which has high levels of clearance before one can even enter. I've personally brought members of the Idiram Foundation to see the operations and they saw for themselves the, the level of security that the vault has to offer. So I guess these are the main two reasons why we decided to set up shop in Singapore. What about Switzerland? So, well, um, the thing is, besides I myself am a Singaporean, so it made it a lot easier for me to navigate the, the entire regulatory environment. So, for instance, um, just uh, five hours ago, I was in a meeting with a regulatory body discussing if I needed a commodities trading license or not. And it seems like we don't, which is, which is, which is a great win for us. So the reason why we chose Singapore is that, you know, I, I'm local and it's a lot easier for me to navigate the, the regulatory environment. Cool. That's, uh, that's handy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So as far as um, the future goes, um, you know, we're... We're, um, you know, we're very, 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 um, very, very uh, interested in providing a, a really good product with with good consumer protection. So um, we're, we're the next part of this after we launch is um, building the Aegis wallet, which is a um, basically it's a it's a multi-signature wallet that has um, legal um, representation to it. So basically, um, you know, you, you'll sign up, you'll sign up for it. You, you'll provide your your personal information. And in case you lose your keys, the, the, um, there's a uh, there's an attorney that actually holds a a, a signatory key that would uh, um, allow you to release your funds to a new wallet. Um, so I think that that type of uh, consumer protection is is um, doesn't exist in in the crypto world right now. And and people, uh, you know, there's many people who have lost their funds um, from from you know like their keys not being <clears throat> backed up properly or having their keys corrupted. So we want to uh, we want to avoid that, um, especially if we want to deal with the high net worth net worth um, customers. Is you know we want to be able to provide them with, with you know um, with a good decentralized <clears throat> service, but at the same time to give um, you know the, the the types of um, protections that traditional um, business models provide their customers. Yeah, that's key. I mean, I've lost a ton of money uh, in exactly the way you describe on a number of occasions just because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, actually lost my. <clears throat> One of my ether, ether, Ethereum presale wallets. Um, to, uh, to so you know, I, like I lost half of what I, I bought um, during the presale because of that. So I, I, I you know, I and, and I'm a tech guy. So you know, um, if if it's um, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody else. Um, so so I think that that type of protection that we're going to be building is going to be very crucial to what we're doing. Definitely, definitely. What what about you, Carl? Is there anything uh, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, um, <clears throat> I think that in the past fifteen years, you've seen a lot of new products come out, um, a lot of innovation. But um, a lot uh, a good part of the the financial world, uh, at least financial agents, you know, moving money and settling funds around the world, have not become involved with digital currency because. The, uh, the, the unit itself uh, was not a, a sort of a legal, a legal document, a legal item. 
Um, and they were, they were restricted from, from jumping in and, uh, you know, encouraging clients to use a digital product. And now uh, you see these, uh, w- what's emerging with Digix is it's a legal product. Um, like uh, Anthony was just talking about the wallet. It's, you know, it, it has a legal connection to the owner. And you really don't see that in any, any, anything else in the, uh, in the digital currency market. Um, you know, where, uh, there's this connection, like I said before, where the rubber meets the road, uh, between the, the digital asset and the, the physical asset and the person. And that, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of the trifecta there that, uh, would encourage a lot of other financial representatives and agents around the world to become involved with, uh, a digital gold product. Um, I know other companies have tried to do it like, uh, James Turk and his son tried to, uh, encourage financial agents to become involved with it, but they didn't have this type of, uh, uh, you know, decentralized safe product and that had that legal connection to the asset, which was, uh, visible and transparent, um, you know, the, the, the trades on the, uh, the Ethereum blockchain. So I think you're going to see in the next year or two, <clears throat> a lot of financial agents around the world that are responsible for clients' money, clients' uh, monies and, and value in, jumping into this type of product. Uh, I think it's an exceptional uh, opportunity. So uh, that's why I've, that's why we jumped on board. Hey, what about other products? I mean, what, what about other assets? Is, there, is, is it easy to represent assets other than gold using the same certificate system that you guys are using? Um, we, yes, definitely. So the next product on our list would be diamonds because there are actually clear standards and definitions to what constitutes a, a diamond of quality, so to speak, just like gold bars. So we're currently working with our asset supplier on that. Now, apart from physical assets, we're also looking to work with anyone in general who needs uh, or sees a need for our proof of asset protocol. This is essentially an asset shadowing system that could be applied to a wide range of industries. So for instance, Tyler Smith from Free My Vunk, I believe he appeared in your talk mm. show um, previously. Yeah. yeah. He has uh, managed to, we, we've been in touch and I believe our protocol can be easily adapted to digital assets. It just involves us changing the actors. In our case, it would be the custodian and the supplier as well as the um, auditor. It's all about you know customizing our proof of asset protocol, changing the, the entities and actors involved to suit digital games. So you think you can use di- the Digic system to, to store the digital assets of, uh, of computer games? Absolutely, like gaming cards or weapons in-game. These are all um, customizable using our POA protocol this is awesome this is that's totally incredible that you guys are, are talking with uh free my Vunk because what they're doing i think you guys will get published before them but uh what they're doing is incredible i mean it's really significant just the unlocking all of that all of that locked value in terms of you know computer things that people have worked for in, in games and can't realize their uh realize the economic value of those, those items, you know, they're, they're going to unlock that. I mean, it could be a trillion dollars. Yeah. And it also applies to um, the Aegis product as well. Is that, you know, like basically because it is an Ethereum wallet, it's a multi-sig wallet, you can store any type of Ethereum asset and have it have the same type of legal protection that the other Digix products will have. Where can people find you guys on the internet individually? And, uh, and where can people find out about Digix? Yeah, so our website would be at www.dgx.io or feel free to reach out and add me on Skype at kc.chng. I, I guess I'll just leave my personal email too. It would be kcchng 
at digix.io. Um, and you can also, um, you know, reach out. Um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a staple on the uh, Ethereum chat rooms and, and the forums. So, um, you know, feel free to drop me a message on there. And, um, you know, I, I help a lot of people too. Um, I think it's also good uh, mental exercise for me to be able to like um, help, um, you know, people solve their Ethereum problems. Um, so, you know, if you guys have like any questions, um, feel free to, to just um, ask. I try to be helpful as much as I can. Hey, uh, this is Carl. I, I'm on, uh, um, let's see, uh, Skype at uh, Digital Currency. That's my, yeah, that's my handle. And uh, I'm also, I have a little consulting business at uh, DCIA.us. Great. Hey, well, thanks a bunch, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, Arthur. Thanks, Arthur. Thank you. Thanks again, Kai, Anthony, and Carl. I was on production and editing. Show notes, credits, and links can be found at letstalkbitcoin.com and on Twitter at EtherReview. We can also be reached at contact at etherreview.info.